This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back. Hour three of New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. This portion of the show brought to you by Bud Light. When you open a crisp, cold Bud Light, you know game day is here. So make sure you enjoy responsibly. And Mike Tannenbaum joins the crew. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How's everybody? Very good. Good morning, Mike T. Great, great. Week two, man. Week two. Here we go. And I like to call it GM talk. Uh, and let's let, let's let's kick off, no pun intended, uh, with what happened with the Denver Broncos last week, right? Like they go, they give up, they give out, the, you know, the, the the kitchen sink to go and, and trade for Russell Wilson, pay him a boatload of money, fourth and five, and Hackett decides to go for a sixty-four yard field goal over trusting your quarterback. Uh, which, by the way, uh, his field goal kicker was oh, I want to oh and four, oh and five from that distance, and oh, by the way, NFL record. Only four of 20 uh, kicks of that distance, if not further, have been made. But you still don't go to your quarterback uh, who you traded for and, and gave up all that money. Is Hackett in over his head, Mike? Uh, well, right now that's a great incomplete. The part that was so disappointing to me, guys, was when you look at Brian Dayball, how he handled things at the end of the game, regardless if it worked or it didn't, he was in control. He had a plan. You look at Mike McDaniel, he acquitted himself quite well opening day against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it was clear that Nathaniel Hacker was not prepared, not only in that situation, guys, but clearly throughout the game there was multiple times where they were up against the play clock, and he had never called a play in the NFL before uh, last week, and it just looked that way. And if I was the GM of the Broncos, guys, I wouldn't be focusing in on that decision because clearly it was wrong, but what I would really be focusing in on is your process. You just weren't prepared. Somebody has a responsibility to be in your ear to say, time out, time out, time out here. And, you know, if you didn't know anything else, you just paid Russell Wilson, whatever it is, $45 million plus mm-hmm. a year. It's five yards. You, you have three choices. Run pass, uh, run pass option with Russell Wilson. Take a shot deep to try to win the game. Or ter- Tyreek Woolen, the rookie corner for Seattle, had already had two penalties. Like, go play for a foul. All those things were much better from a percentage standpoint than what they did. So, I was disappointed in the decision, but I was more disappointed in, in his preparation. So you think it was a it was a bad decision? It had less to do with um, a lack of faith in the quarterback or quarterback play. So as a GM, put your GM back uh, hat back on. What do you do? What what is that conversation like when um when you walk into the building on Monday? Yeah, again, Kiwi. Like to me, it's about who's in your ear because those are the people we're going to hold accountable. I mean, that decision was so catastrophically bad. Like it was almost. You couldn't justify it. I mean, that's why you, you gave up multiple picks and players. And, again, $45 million a year because you got a quarterback you believe in. You know, there's been, what, two kicks in the history of football of 64 yards or more. So, like, that's just that's just plainly wrong. But the more uh, difficult and important conversation, guys, is how do we make sure that will never, ever, ever happen again? That, and that's, that's the point. Isn't he responsible for putting those people in his ear? Isn't he the one who's supposed to get those coaches prepared to, to make those decisions? So doesn't the, doesn't the responsibility uh, fall back on him? 
absolutely. You're you're the CEO. You're 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 the guy in charge. So um, he was clearly not prepared. He's clearly you know something that has to be fixed. And by the way, like that's why I bring up Brian Dayball. That's why I bring up Mike McDaniel. I'm trying to compare him to other rookie head coaches, like guys like Todd Bowles, Doug Peterson. You know, guys that are getting Lovey Smith, guys that are getting second chances. They're fully formed adults. They've gone through their growing pains. That's why I was so impressed by Dayball and McDaniel because. It was clear they were ready to go from day one. Uh, Topic number two is Justin Herbert and his injury. We saw what happened on Thursday. Uh, Gutsy performance, of course, for him to drive down the field, touchdown pass to Palmer. Thank you very much. If you had the Chargers at plus four, Herbert helped you cover that. Um, But more importantly, moving forward, he's got uh, ribs, cartilage more so in what's been injured. What's the latest? What are you hearing now, keep in mind, Chase Daniel is the backup quarterback in the next two games, Mike, are against Jacksonville and the and, and the Houston Texans. So it's not like a gauntlet. It's not like a, you know, a, a, the most difficult part of their schedule moving forward. With all that being said, thoughts on Herbert, thoughts on the Chargers. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I think this is why we're all fans of the sport is if you watch the game, Gerald Everett made a great play, and then he put his hand up. And and that single for our listeners means mm-hmm. he wants to come out of the game. And it was clear that it was in the game plan for the Chargers that when they had chunk plays, they were going to go no huddle. And you do this for a few reasons. And, Kiwi, you know this. One, it keeps the opposing defense very vanilla. They're just trying to get lined up, so you can't disguise. Secondly, they can't change personnel groupings. And lastly, that's a very loud place to go. It minimizes crowd noise when you get up and go on the first sound. So clearly that was the Chargers game plan, which I thought made a lot of sense. However, somebody has to be sitting next to Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, say, hey, Everett's trying to get out of the game. You know, we can't go no huddle. We got to check out of that. And the fact that they didn't do that, that may be the difference between the AFC West being won by the Chargers or the Chiefs. That's how close these two teams are. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. There was always, um, you know, that concept of, you know, we're going to trap the defense, especially for me, right? So I went in on specific um, uh, formations, so specific defenses where I was in, and they would try to trap us on the field with that big personnel that we had. But there was always a sense, hey, listen, if we can weather this storm, if they're going to go up-tempo or no huddle or whatever it is, if we can weather the storm, they're going to get exhausted also. So then we would go, just like you said, go back to our vanilla defense. It's the defense that everybody should know, regardless of of what personnel we have on the field. Everybody should know how to play all these positions, and let's just get the ball stopped. So um, I I agree. I I understand what you're saying there. Uh, Another big storyline, obviously, is Dak Prescott is out for the Dallas Cowboys, they have an interesting game against Cincinnati this week, uh, you know, and uh, and Cooper Rush is going to be the starting quarterback. Here's the thing. I keep on telling people, Cooper Rush, he's been in this offense for five years. He knows this offense. He's not just a, you know, run-of-the-mill, you know, backup quarterback that you pick up off the street. Um, curious to get your thoughts from, from both of you. Do you guys give Dallas a shot to possibly upset a Cincinnati Bengals team who did not look great in week one either? Yeah, like this is the old Rex Ryan, which is – uh, hey, Mike McCarthy, if we run the ball for four yards or more, run it again. And Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, get hydrated because four yards or more, we're going to run it again. And I would have a conversation with C.D. Lamb to say, hey, C.D., we're going to need you this year, but tonight we need you to be a great blocker. Um, best way to keep Joe Burrow and all those weapons um, on the sideline, run it again. And their best two offensive players right now are probably Zeke and Pollard. Kiwi? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, this, this is a situation where there's nothing, there's no disrespect, you know, nothing against Cooper Rush, but this offense is built and designed around Dak Prescott. So it's going to be very difficult, in my opinion, and um, Mike, you can chime in on this one also, to try to uh, make the changes necessary for Cooper to be successful in this offense. A backup quarterback can come in and can spare you a couple of quarters and maybe, maybe a game or two. But when you're talking about being out for, you know, possibly six weeks, that's what I'm looking at. So yeah, maybe, maybe this game isn't a foregone conclusion, but at the end of the day, are they going to be able to adjust the offense enough for Cooper to be able to um, sustain during this entire time that Dak is out? I just don't see it. Guys, a number of teams very surprisingly lost in week one. Hence, a number of reasons why almost over 50% of the people who are playing in survivor pools were, limited, were eliminated last week. Um, so you've got Cincinnati, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Rams, the Packers, Denver, the Patriots. Teams that many analysts felt were going to do something this year. Mike, talk about starting 0-2. Teams that start 0-2 only have 11% chance of making it to the postseason. I know a lot, a lot of times we, you know, we, we, the sky's not falling until a team is 0-4, but still 0-2 is not a great start. How much pressure is on these teams uh, today? Oh, there's definitely pressure, Anita. But again, with a 17-game season, nobody wants to go 0-2, but I think you can survive it more so than you could in a 16-game season. But not all 0-2 records are the same, meaning um, – you know, if it's division games or not. And, you know, I'll, I'll, like one big game to me is Baltimore-Miami because those are two teams that have um, playoff af- aspirations, and this could be a tiebreaker down the road. Matthias, you're in the locker room. You start the season 0-1. Uh, there, there's some some big-time expectations for you and your crew. Are you feeling the pressure coming into today? No, not not 0-1. It, it depends on what level your team is. So I think there I played on different style of teams during my career. There's some teams that were very young and uh, didn't have an identity and didn't understand, you know, how long the season was and, and what was going on. And then we had teams that were veteran led and had a complete understanding of, hey, listen, like, like it is important to get the win week one, um, but it's more important to establish your identity, to make the corrections and and to move on. So some teams can go one and oh and think that, oh, we're good. We're riding high. We're flying. We can we can do this. And in reality, they aren't as good as what they think they are. You know, I was on the O and two team that won a Super Bowl. And yeah, the sky is falling when you get to O and two. However, um, if you are a team that is veteran led then you understand, all right, listen, like this is an opportunity to really get right early in the season. This is not the bye week and, you know, we're not under 500, you know, uh, halfway through the season. We have this opportunity. So I think um, a lot is made um, off of week one and, and week two, but it really depends on, you know, the leadership of the teams. All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we'll start doing a deeper dive into both the Giants and the Jets and their matchups. Also, a lot of news out there pertaining to players, who's active, who's not, as we get closer to the 1130 active and active list that comes out. But first, before we do take a break, today's New York Mets injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine. Uh, Max Scherzer, good news for Mets fans, expected to return this week and should pitch tomorrow, Monday, against the Brewers. As for uh, Sterling Marte, stopped rehabbing. Uh, from that fractured finger, it's still bothering him. He is confident that he's going to return this year. 
but Buck Showalter spoke to the media, and they're uncertain in regard to his timetable. That's the Mets injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedics, Spine and Sports Medicine. Total Ortho Express is Long Island's premier orthopedic immediate care where no appointment is needed. After all, time doesn't heal wounds. Of course, they do. Um, quick break. Again, we're back. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka, Mike Tannenbaum joins the show for our last hour. We're excited about it. We'll have our Tannenbaum bomb of the week as well when we get back. And, of course, we end the show strong with our our score predictions for both the Giants and the Jets. So, so a lot more coming your way right here on 98.7 ESPN. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. New York Game Day here at 98.7 ESPN. Brought to you by Bud Light. Enjoy your game day. Also brought to you by the Weissman Bourbon from Kentucky Owl. Please enjoy responsibly. And Samuel Institute for Pain Management, a pain-free life. Visit samuelpain.com. That's for sure. Guys, before we start diving into what's going on with the Jets, um, I just want to give folks out there some, uh, some, some updates, what's being reported. Um, apparently, as we know, we... we I shared this when we started the show at, at 7 a.m. Adam Schefter is reporting that Alvin Kamara is out today. What does that mean? Ingram more than likely is going to split carries in the backfield with Tony Jones. But I love me. Um, I, I love me some Taysom Hill today. I think he's going to be that Swiss Army knife, uh, running the ball, throwing the ball, receiving the ball, all those good things. All the things, as people like to say. Uh, Ravens, not sure if J.K. Dobbins is going to start. Last week, I thought it would be Mike Davis who would get the bulk of the carries. It was not. It was Kenyon Drake. Keep that in mind. J.J. Watt expected to make his debut today against the Raiders, so keep an eye on that. Kadarius Toney is expected to play for the Giants. He only played seven snaps last week. Will he be on a pitch count? Possibly. Uh, T. Higgins from Cincinnati. Concussion will play in week two against Dallas. Jameis Winston dealing with a back issue. He will suit up against the Bucs. Alan Lazard expected back. Uh, later on tonight for the Green Bay Packers to play against the Bears. George Kittle not. Schefter's reporting George Kittle is not expected to play today uh, for the 49ers. How does that bode for uh, for one uh, Trey Lance? Uh, no bueno, as I like to say. All right, guys, let's, let's dive into this Jets and Browns matchup. And earlier in the show, Mike, uh, Kiwi and I were able to comment on Robert Sala's comment, keeping receipts going to shove down people's throats. When you heard that, what, what, what were your thoughts in, in regard to what he expressed to the media with his, uh, his disappointment in the criticism that a number of us media folk have on his team? Yeah, I was really disappointed. You know, your job is to go win professional football games, and you've won four games in two years, and you're a battlefield commander your job is to have 53 people believe on Wednesday morning that you have the best game plan on the planet to go beat the Cleveland Browns, who have a backup quarterback. And when you start talking about the Northeast or how miserable people are here, that does not inspire the people in your building that you're the right leader. Look, he was a really good coach at San Francisco. 
He got the job. He deserved the job. I was really disappointed because nobody cares about what you inherited, how you inherited. You know, all I know is he has plenty of good players. They had a really good offseason, and they have not played well. And there are no excuses. You either win or you don't. And when you start talking about things like this, and Kiwi, you know as a former player, your players are going to start questioning whether or not you're the one being distracted when you're trying to tell the players to stay focused. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, we, we talked about it earlier, and I was saying, you know, as long as he's consistent with the message that he's giving to the media in the locker room and the players are bought in, then they'll overlook it. But if this is a ploy, if this is uh, you know, a breakdown or something like that, then it could have a, a negative effect. If you're a GM and, you, and you're witnessing this. We're, we're having some technical issues with Matthias Kiwanuka. Sincerely apologize. Uh, Mike, you're still there, though. I still have you, don't I? Yeah, I, I'm here. Oh, fantastic. All right. So like, obviously, as, as, as Kiwi was saying, like disappointment between the three of us in regard to Salah's comments. Um, we had Rich Samini on earlier, not that Salah walked them back, but uh, was a, a little and I don't even want to call it apologetic, but it, it's, it's evident. I, I think he regrets saying what he, he had said. Another thing is there are a number of Jets fans that are wondering, why isn't Mike White starting? Why is Joe Flacco starting? Well, I think Joe Flacco starting because he gives the Jets the best opportunity to win. Your thoughts? Uh, you're the general manager of this team. Are, are, you, are you still rolling with Joe Flacco? Is there any benefit to you to play Mike White at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's some out there that think that Joe Flacco should, at this point, go on, on cruises you know, with uh, friends, family, and in-laws and, and travel, you know, around the world because, you know, he had a great run and it's, and it's over. Um, and I'm going to say something really contradictory here, Anita. I would play Mike White, and I did the game last week with Steve Levy. Joe Flacco actually played pretty good fl- football. He's not the reason they lost. They lost because Lincoln Tomlinson and Vera Tucker and that offensive line were just whipped by the Raven front seven. It didn't matter who played quarterback for the Jets. They would have lost regardless of some people think Flacco should retire. So Mike White's just more athletic right now. And today they're going against another team with a really good front seven. And the Jet offensive line has to play better. And again, going back to Robert Sala's comments, which are, look, you guys invested a lot in this offensive line over the last two years. We all thought it would be better. That's why they lost the game last week. The defense at times actually played pretty good, Anita. So to me, I would play Mike White. I'd, I would really challenge the offensive line to control the line of scrimmage, and I wouldn't lose the game on offense. And that's what happened last week. They were whipped up front. And when that happens, give the ball to the more athletic guys. Yeah, and, and you talk about how uh, how difficult of a time that offensive line had. Think about today. Miles Garrett can set a huge milestone for him and the organization. He is one and a half sacks back from leading, being the number one uh, sack stud, whatever you want to call it, for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so Kiwi and I, again, we were talking about it earlier today, sure going to scheme for that against a subpar offensive line and Flacco, who's not as mobile. Your thoughts on Miles Garrett? Do you think he gets two sacks today? Well, yeah. If they throw the ball, he may get 200 sacks today, Anita, because Oof. George Fant was terrible as well last week. Mm-hmm. and. You know, you got to give the Jets credit. They, you know, they invest a, a top pick in Becton. He gets hurt. They go out and try to sign Dwayne Brown to, you know, deal with that situation. He gets hurt. Now they're, you know, it's hard to go out there with the Max Mitchells of the world and feel great about it. Now, Fant flop sides. He didn't play great. But let's be fair here. In that game last week, 
Ronnie Stanley was out for the Ravens. He was their Mackay Becton equivalent. Jawan James goes in. Unfortunately, he gets hurt, so he's out. He's like Dwayne Brown. And now they're out there with Patrick McCarry, and he plays really good. So the point is, like, the depth of the Ravens and the Jets were both tested. One team responded better than the others. Uh when we come back, we'll have Mike Tannenbaum's bomb of the week. Matthias Kiwanuka, myself, and Mike will we'll dive into this Giants matchup as they get ready to take on the Carolina Panthers. But before we take a break, today's New York Yankees injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine in Sports Medicine. And you've got Frank Monta- Frankie Montas, who uh, will be have an MRI on his right shoulder after feeling discomfort. Uh, it will be yet to be determined whether or not he will go on the IR. But keep in mind, you do have Herman who should be back in the rotation soon. Again, that's your Yankees injury report brought to you by Total Orthopedic Spine and Sports Medicine. Total Ortho Express is Long Island's premier orthopedic immediate care where no appointment is needed. After all, time doesn't heal wounds. They do. Quick break. We come back. Tannenbaum's bomb of the week, as well as some Giants talk right here on New York Game Day, 98.7 ESPN. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. is about to be dropped. It's Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week. <laughs> Buckle up. It's Mike Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week brought to you by Samwell Institute for Pain Management. So what say you, Mike Tannenbaum? What's your Bomb of the Week? Tampa Bay 17, the New Orleans Saints 14, and for the second straight week, Anita, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will run the ball more than they throw it. Last week against Dallas, 55% of their offensive snaps were runs. And I think what we're seeing is a Buccaneer offense that's evolving into a run-first offense. Wow. Uh, That's uh, Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week, brought to you by Samuel Institute for Pain Management. For a pain-free life, visit samuelpain.com. I've got the Saints on the money line. I've got Cam Jordan with a sack at plus 265. I've got Tom Brady with an interception at minus 125. I think this is going to be a complete domination. So, I don't know. I might have to owe you another bottle of wine if your bomb of the week is the accurate one, Mike Tannenbaum. Well, I actually, I, I'm a big believer in a product called X2, an all-natural, healthy energy drink that I'm involved with. You could just say, send me another case of that, which, by the way, Saquon Barkley also uses, I must say. So, uh, instead of a bottle of wine, we'll just go with some X2, which is, you know, it's it's a good-for-you natural energy supplement. Shameless plug, not so shameless. Um, also, also, this show is brought to you by FW Web and Wheel McLean. Turn to one of FW Web's 100-plus locations for unparalleled Wheel McLean inventory. Visit fwweb.com to find a convenient location near you. That's for sure. And, uh, and also uh, brought to you by Eisner Amper. Eisner Amper develops winning game plans for business. Moving forward together, eisnerampler.com. Uh, guys, We've got a boatload of calls, and folks have been holding on for a while, and I, I do want to bring them on. Okay, so so let's let's take some calls and uh, and answer answer some folks. That's for sure. Let's go to Manny in Flushing. He's been holding on for quite a while. Manny, I apologize. Welcome in. Hey, good morning. Good morning. At least uh, it's all good. It's all good. Appreciate it. Um, listen. Um, look, I was surprised that the Giants won. I saw. I, I watched the game last week with my brother, and we and, and I saw the field goal attempted, and I was like. Thank God the, the, the Giants won because I never thought it was going to uh, – thank God that I thought it – because they haven't won an opening, uh, opening game 
opening day game in like four or five years, but I think it was sweet. I was a little touching on this Wabba Sabre thing. I mean, um, uh, Thais and also um, Mike and Mr. Tannenbaum, if you, if you were in the Jazz locker room and hear those comments, like, what do you say to the coach? Like, like Tannen, look, I get what you do. I mean, I understand what you're trying to do, but at the same time, you got to start winning because at the end of the day, nobody, I mean, the media and the fans, they don't really care about your feelings. They care about can you produce. And four and fourteen doesn't cut it. I mean, that's my honest opinion. Look, I, I'm not saying, but in a way, he put himself in a tough spot because now, if he if they continue to lose, the more practice is going to be not just him, but also um, Joe Douglas, who, who who hired him in in the process. So yeah, I'm not wishing, you many, know. Thanks, many thanks for the phone call. I mean, we touched on this earlier before. I, I think. Matthias, you tried to, to chime in. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties. If, if you just uh, want to share with Manny your thoughts on, on Salah's comments. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I would giggle, to be honest with you. I, I would laugh at it a little bit because coaches gener- generally preach, you know, like ignore the media, leave that stuff outside of the locker room. Don't come, don't bring that and don't allow that to, to distract you. So, you know, watching him up there, it really, it really depends on, what is the atmosphere inside the locker room? Do the guys really believe in in um, the situation? Do they really believe in him and that he can get the job done? If they do, then hey, listen, let, let's let's put it behind us. Let's move on. We got games to play. If they don't, then yeah, you're right. It could cause some dissension. It can make some people think, hey, maybe he's not 100% in this like like we thought that he was. But um, you know, just from from covering him a little bit and getting to understand kind of the guy he is. Uh, I don't I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think it's like, hey, he went off on the media. He said what he felt, um, you know, and hopefully we can move on. 800-919-3776. Let's go to D in Queens. D, welcome. Welcome in. You're on with Mike Tannenbaum and Matthias Kiwanuka. Hey, how you doing, guys? Um, Yeah, I'm team Lamar. We're the only two who ever thought he was going to become what he became. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) Um. The thing about the Jets, I have three points. One is about the Jets, and then one is going, it drifts into the Patriots. The thing about the Jets is, I think the reason Robert Sala and the team as a whole seems tight, I think deep down, because like, compare, like them and the Niners both took a risk. But there's a ceiling with Jimmy G, and they took a risk because Mac Jones would have been the perfect fit for them, but he's too similar to Jimmy G. So they took a risk, and they understand what comes to it, and they can see it still, even though there's growing pains. With the Jets, I think deep down they realize they took the wrong dude. I'm serious. I think that's why they're tight, and they know they're stuck. I think that's why Salah is tight. And another point I want to bring up is about Cam Newton. Um, I, I think it was Tannenbaum who said that everything is designed for Dak Prescott in Dallas. You know who's the perfect quarterback you should have brought in the offseason to get a full training camp, which he hasn't had in three years? Cam Newton. And people keep saying he's washed. Is he washed or did he play for the Patriots? Is he washed or did he play for the Panthers? And what has Matt Rule shown that he knows what he's doing? You know, and I don't want to hear he has a big personality because so does Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Rich Fitzmagic, he had his own nickname, was wearing Deshaun, um, the, the, the receiver's clothes. He has a big personality. Shoot, he just called out Tom Brady. So why is Cam Newton on, a, on an NFL team at all? And then one other thing about the Patriots, the whole thing about them not naming a coordinator and everything being fuzzy, there was like an insidious reason I heard they did that. I hope it's not true. I'm not going to go into it, but it's something to do with the NFL rules and coordinators. And if that is why they're doing stuff the way they do, I hope they lose every game. That's all. 
D, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Mike, curious to get your thoughts on this. Two things that D brought up. One is um, Zach Wilson. Do you feel if, if, if you were the general manager right now, if you were D Brown, um, Joe D, would you be sitting back going, I, I, I wonder if we made a mistake? Yeah, I mean, I thought that when they drafted him. Um, mm-hmm. And look, the grade we can only give all these guys is a grade of incomplete. Like, for example, I think Trey Lance is going to be really good. I, I, I'm so intrigued by Trey Lance. But he's only thrown 380 passes since high school. He's going to have more bumps in the road. Like, Zach Wilson may be okay. Um, I just – I don't like his size, some of his decision-making. I, I thought the next best quarterback to me was Mac Jones because I thought he had mm-hmm. a really high floor. I thought he was going to be uh, Matt Ryan. So, we'll see how it plays out. All these guys, it's still young in their careers. I, and I think the, uh, D makes a really interesting point. Like, I thought Cam Newton would be a good signing for the Cowboys now because if I'm Dallas – I don't want to give up a draft choice because I don't know how the season's going to go, guys. So I wouldn't trade for, you know, Jimmy G or Nick Foles or whomever. But I would go out and sign Cam Newton because, you know, when healthy, Cam Newton's played really good football. So um, I'm a little surprised that he's not with the team, and I thought he made sense for Dallas. Uh, one one more thing, and in, Dia in alluded to. I, I don't I don't know what he's talking about in regard to the NFL rule. I, I'm not even going to sit here and pretend that I know what he was talking about. Um, but I, I will say this: I, I am a little perplexed. We talk about. Bill Belichick is being the, the greatest coach of all time. You know, w- what is he doing offensive quarter wise? Like, like, is it, is it Patricia? Is it Joe judge? That offense looks out of whack and it's evident that Mac Jones is not comfortable in it. So what are you surprised that the Bill Belichick didn't have a better answer, a better hire as for an offensive coordinator? And, and what are your thoughts on this Patriots offense, Mike? Yeah, I, I see this one a little bit differently. So let me just uh, tell you a story. In, in the late 90s, I was charting plays for the Jets coaching staff on game day, and Bill Parcells was the head coach. He was also the play caller. We had Dan Henning, Charlie Weiss, who had the title. But on game day, Coach Parcells actually called the plays on offense, and the defensive coordinator of those teams was Bill Belichick. So he saw firsthand a head coach who could call plays, and we we had really good teams with the championship game. And – I'm not so surprised that Coach Belichick won't be calling plays at some point. And the other thing, too, Anita, um, and I, I don't know if you guys would agree with this or not, but this is my own personal opinion. I think Bill Belichick in some way sees some of himself in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And what I mean by that is, you know, as most of our listeners know, Coach Belichick was let go early in his career by the Browns. Um spent some years with the Jets, and obviously now the rest is history. You know, Coach Patricia was let go in Detroit. Joe Judge, obviously, here in New York. And all my point is, like, he believes in those coaches. And that's really all that matters. Like, it's very unusual. You know, I know we all feel that way. Um, but obviously there's some reason that Coach Belichick's doing what he's doing. It's uh, it's 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 somewhat bizarre to me, to, to be quite frank. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha, welcome in. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, listen, the last two callers stole a lot of my thunder. I mean, Robert Sala, let's be honest, he's looking like a coordinator. And um, Zach Wilson, you guys know what I felt about him pre-draft, after the draft, and after seeing him on the field. But, you know, all those things being said, I, I, listen, I, I can't look at this game this week. Like like, like, like Mr. T says, like, you want to be a coach, you got to win games. Like, sometimes, they got to be once in a while where you win a game. And I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they got that two-headed monster at running back. Amari Cooper, good player, not a great wide receiver to me. And Jacoby Brissett is a statue the same way that Joe Flacco is. 
I mean, if Robert Sala is going to keep his job, if this regime is going to keep their jobs long term, this is a game that pretty much to me that they have to win. I, I mean, listen, man, I'm about to take that bottle of water off you, Anita. I'm tired of watching <laughs> this nonsense with this team. I know, seriously, I am tired. The excuses, the this and that, the fans, the Northeast, the this, the that. Yo, bro, just win a football game. The Cleveland Browns are not the 1988 49ers. We hear you, Buddha. We hear your I, frustration. Appreciate Anita, the call. Anita, mm-hmm. I am a thousand percent with Buddha, not 99%. Like, look. We're in a profession. We're not trying to, you know, do anything else. We're not selling stocks. We're not trying to cure cancer. Like, the object of the exercise is to win professional football games. Every team has excuses. Like, last week, the Baltimore Ravens rolled into a really loud stadium in MetLife with arguably, outside of Lamar Jackson, their three best players, Ronnie Stanley, J.K. Dobbins, and Marcus Peters, three excellent football players. You didn't hear one word from John Harbaugh about who they didn't have. Every team has their challenges. They're playing a team today. They gave up 8,000 picks and $230 million in fully guaranteed money for Deshaun Watson, who won't be on the field. And all my point is, you don't hear Kevin Stefanski lamenting about what they don't have. They had a rookie kicker who had a miracle kick a week ago. And if I was talking to Robert Sala, like, no one cares. Win football games. That's all that matters. If you do that, everything else takes care of itself. By the way... Go, you don't go hear ahead, from, Yeah, you don't hear from the other coaches because they have an expectation to win the game. When you walk into, uh, you know, that stadium to play the Jets or if the Jets come to you, the expectation is automatically that we are going to win. And that's the problem. That's what I'm saying. If the, if the players don't buy into it, it doesn't matter what Robert Salah says in the media. It's not going to work. They have to buy into what he is selling. And do they buy into it? I mean, it's getting harder and harder for them if they were at one point at this point in the season with, you know, limited wins. Like, yeah, you've got you've got to win the game. Week one is just about win, survive. Let's go back and and let's correct the mistakes. But as week two, week three comes like you're starting to, um, you know, put out there what your identity is and people are going to key in on it. So, yeah, I I agree with the caller, too. You got to win. Uh, it is New York game day. This portion of the show brought to you by Sloman's low price home heating oil, 24 hour service Call 866 oil deal right now to see how much you can save this winter on heating oil with Sloman's that's 866 oil deal. We come back. It's our final segment guys. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, we'll get more in depth with the giants. Also we'll give you our score predictions for both the giants and the jets next here on 98.7 ESPN. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Who's going to win? Let's do some predictions. That's right. It's time for our predictions. Uh, this portion of the show presented by Slowman's called 866 Oil Deal to see how much you can save this winter on heating oil. And also brought to you by Eisner Amper. Eisner Amper develops winning game plans for business. Moving forward together, EisnerAmper.com. All right, gentlemen, we got four minutes left in the show before we pass it on to uh, Grasa and, of course, Greg Buttle for the Jets pregame show. So, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, give me your prediction for the Jets-Browns uh, game. Um, I like the Browns uh, 24-14. And why? Um. I think it's more of the same. I think you nailed it earlier, Anita, when you talked about, you know, Miles Garrett. Um, I thought George Fant would have played better a week ago. Um, I understand, you know, when you have multiple injuries at one position, that's really, really hard to deal with. Um, 
just I was at the game last week. I was just surprised that the Jet offensive line didn't play better. I think that's going to be the story of this game. Matthias? I got the Browns 27-17. I think the um, running game of the Browns has been the understated uh, issue coming into this week. I just, yeah, I think they have a lot of issues, a lot of things to clean up. There's, you know, a lot of stuff circling in the media. The Jets are, are back to, um, you know, just just having a lot of clutter. There's a lot of things going on around in, the, in, the, in that storm. So Browns 27, Jets 17. All right, I'm with you as well. Uh, I've got 28-17, so we're all on Cleveland winning um, substantially, right? Is that even a word? Uh, Miles Garrett with a sack today is minus 170, 175, so you're laying $175 to win $100. And I'll lay that uh, seven days a week and twice today because I do believe he gets to Joe Flacco. As for the Giants, Mike Tannenbaum, score and why? Ooh, uh, I'm on the Dayball bandwagon. <laughs> so let, let's go uh, 21-17. Um, you know, we talked about this a lot, guys. I, I think Saquon Barkley, um, again, when this season's over, I think we're going to be talking about him as a dynamic playmaker and not just as a running back. I think he looks good and healthy, and I think he's going to continue to make plays out of the backfield. That helps Daniel Jones. That settles things down. I think he's a great player, and I think as the season evolves, guys, we're going to be talking about him much more so as like a three-down back than just, quote-unquote, a running back and someone that can make big, big plays in the passing game. Kiwi? Yeah, I got the Giants back back on the bandwagon also. I punched my ticket. Uh, 27-20, I think when you, when you look at Saquon running his shoulder pads way out in front of his knees and being able to, you know, to cycle his legs through. Um, and then also one thing I pointed out is that that offensive line, you know, you know they got some, some issues in the past, um, pass blocking, right? But they were down the field almost every play ready to pick him up. They were extending their blocks and they were really running. So as much as much as we kicked them, you know, when they were down the last couple of years, I think that this group has uh, has done a tremendous job and I'm looking forward to it. But um, I think it's going to be um, an offensive-led game. Um, Saquon is going to be the guy. Well, I was on the Giants last week and I was right. I am not on the Giants this week. I'm on Carolina 27-17. I think the loss of Aaron Robinson opposite of Dory Jackson uh, is going to be too much to bear with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, I like the longest reception over 17 and a half. I think DJ Moore has a big day. Ben McAdoo back in New York said Christian McCaffrey is going to have to get more involved. The Giants linebacking gore can't cover. So I think Christian McCaffrey has a big day in the passing game. Also, the Giants, uh, Thibodeau, as well as Ojolari, both of them expected out. Also, I like Richie James, 5 for 5 for 59 yards last week. I think that he gets a majority of the targets as well, even though Kadarius Toney is expected to play. So, and I can't believe I just got that in in 30 seconds. Gentlemen, always great waking up Sunday morning with you guys. Thank you so much, Mike Tannenbaum, as well as Matthias Kiwanuka, Tom and Harvey producing the show. A lot of moving parts. You guys did a great job. Appreciate you as well. Everybody, enjoy the games. We're here with you every Sunday morning. We kick it off at 7 a.m. with Fantasy Forecast. Stay tuned. Your Jets pregame show with Dan Gross and Greg Buttle comes your way next here on 98.7 ESPN.